Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, author of The Living Spirit, A Tale of Spiritual Awakening, Spiritual Communication, Healing Energies, and Even Miracles. Today I am delighted to welcome Joan Gregerson, author of Tuning Into Inner Peace, How to Overcome Your Struggles with Food. And of course, as we know, any struggle or addiction is a reflection of our emotional, spiritual, and physical life, and we certainly hope to find ways to improve all conditions. Hello, Joan, and thank you for joining us today. Hello, Cheryl. I'm so excited to be with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. You're very welcome. Joan, as listeners of the show are well aware, my guests and I, through reflections, memories, and intuitive thinking, explore the parallels between physical and spiritual life for the purpose of self-investigation and self-mastery of our emotions, so we may move past challenges to create and manifest a more positive, joyful, healthy life experience. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Joan, who is a holistic health coach and has an online course called Food Freedom Naturally, helps people overcome struggles with food, make peace with food choices, and reclaim their ability to control weight and feel physically and emotionally better. Joan, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood to remember a person, place, or an event that may have been a clue to the interests and work or lifestyle that is important to them now in adulthood. We know that many patterns and beliefs begin in childhood, both positive and negative, and must be realized down the road before any changes can be made. Of course, feelings and behaviors in regard to food and its place in life would begin during those early days? Yes. Great question. (laughs) Yeah. And you are on such an amazing mission. I'm just so honored to be here today. So I'm I'm so happy about that. Our our Um, mission seems to be the mission of living life as joyfully and positively and to discover who we are. And that's for all of us. (laughs) That's our mission, quite simply. Yes, exactly. But it's just so amazing. You're just doing it so directly and so uh, broadly, looking at so many different perspectives. So I, I'm just thank you happy very to be much. a part of it. Yeah. Thank you very much for saying that. It's beautifully said. Thank you. So uh, I'm thinking of a couple things. Um, one is that when I was a kid, my nickname was Toothpick. because I was so skinny, and I'm one of seven kids. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, Um, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm one of eight kids, but I'm the seventh of eight kids, and I have four, four of those are older brothers, so so toothpick was what they called me, and and in fact, one day the, the door was open, and it should have been shut, and my my one of my brothers said, "Oh, Joan blew through the keyhole and dragged her feet, <laughs> <laughs> like Alice in Wonderland." <laughs> exactly. So, as a kid, I was very skinny, 
and I never thought about any, I never had any issues with food whatsoever. Um, there, there was another thing that happened when I was a kid, and that was that my family, we went to a performance at the museum, and it was a group of Native American dancers. So dancers and drummers, and they were singing, and at the end of the performance, my sister and I tried to get on the bus to go home with them. <laughs> so your your spiritual sense was calling you to become a shaman. <laughs> Very funny. And and I think uh you know that that connection um that connection to to the to nature, the reverence for nature. I saw that and I was like, yes. That's you know that the singing and dancing and spirituality and uh food and nature was all one thing right from when the way that I saw it right there but let's go on to what do you mean by focusing on why we eat because i i have a story to to share with you about that too uh, so what do you mean by that well here's the thing when i um so so by the time I was 35, I was 30 pounds overweight, and it was this huge shock. <laughs> it was a huge shock to not be able to get into size 14 jeans and have to go back out and get a size 16 when I had been like a size 8 or 10 for forever, I thought, and I thought I was a skinny kid. And then suddenly I, it felt like suddenly I was this fat lady and I couldn't reconcile, you know, how, how this has happened. And so the, the program that I got into, um, and you know, most programs out there, they, they tell you what to eat. So, okay, well you can eat this and you can't eat that and write down what you eat and, it's all it's all about what to eat. But what I feel was missing is a focus on how we eat and also why we eat. And I th- I think a good way to understand this would be um so I'm helping people achieve food freedom, but if you were going to help someone achieve financial freedom, you would know that there's going to be more than if all you if somebody says I want to achieve financial freedom and you say okay well write down every penny that you spend and then show it to someone well that's <laughs> that's such a small part of what that whole financial freedom would be i mean that to to think about the why of your life what do you want to be doing for your job and who do you want to serve and how do you want to make a difference? And then, and then, how do you want to spend your money? Do you, you know, are you going to watch the shopping channel and late at night by yourself? Are you going to carry extra cash in your pocket, hundreds of dollars when you go out for dinner with a friend? Or are you going to, you know, if there's a big purchase, you consider it, you talk with someone, you think about, you know, what are your goals in life? and decide so it's it's the same thing as that what you're spending money on that is the last thing to think about that's 
that is a detail you need to figure out, but it's not what gets you. Yeah, the situation freedom. here, right, the situation here is in, is in any issue or anything that we see as a problem. Generally, it's not a problem. It's only experience we need so that we can learn something about ourselves. It's leading yeah. us to know more about who we are. Exactly. What we are as energy beings, spiritual beings having this physical life and any experience we're going to go through has value. It's not random and there is a purpose to it. Now the problem is billions of dollars are spent annually on weight loss programs, yet two out of three Americans are overweight and obese. But as you would just say, most weight programs focus on what to eat uh, when trying to lose weight, but they fail to address the critical component of why we eat and the emotional triggers that can sabotage our weight loss gains. Now, the problem is, yes, we want to be healthy and in a fit and healthy body, and we want to be uh, a weight that makes us comfortable so we can, you know, avoid disease and go through our life uh, as healthy as we can be. But weight is not really the issue here. Exactly. It's a person being happy with who they are and ex- and having their goals met. Now, I know I put on, as that very skinny child that I was, I also put on weight in my 30s after I had my children. And it didn't bother me in the least. I also later learned that I was a medium and an intuitive and empathic and that the extra weight was a buffer for me against picking up the energy and emotions of a lot of other people. So it served a little bit of a purpose. But I never really uh, met the expectations of other people. I was never interested in what anyone else thought. And I was always happy and beautiful. So, you see, this is the attitude. It's not really the weight. It's really the other issues and questions we have about who we are. Now, I have a granddaughter. I have four granddaughters, but I have a granddaughter. Wow, you're a lucky woman. (laughs) Yes, I I, I certainly (laughs) had a set of twins there. Oh, my God. And I... And I have a granddaughter who's not much interested in food, and she's very, very thin like I was. And and when she's with me, she makes every effort to eat, as she knows it makes me happy. Because I say, won't you try this, won't you? And she loves sweets like I used to, but not food. So, and my daughter was also the same way. Now, recently, my granddaughter said to me, she just profoundly announced this, only to me, I know we need to eat so we can live. Wow. Now, she's aware of her energy and creating. She's quite autistic and musical and very, uh, she reflects and observes what's going on. I'm sure she is empathic like me and is picking up a lot of the feelings of other people. At least she's lucky to have me, because when I was a child, I didn't have anyone to discuss those things with. Right, right. How (laughs) lovely to have a guide, a a mentor along that path. Now, also, I told her, you know, there have been many studies done on children. Uh, They put uh, food on a table. They'll put junk food and they'll put healthy food and vegetables, everything on the pyramid of food. And for the first few days, most children will gravitate toward the junk food. But after a while, their body will require what they need, and they will make 
better choices. Another problem, so we have to allow and, and respond to children's needs and what they like. We don't have mm-hmm. to be so uh, dogmatic and say you must have vegetable and this and that, uh, you know, and be so restrictive. In the restrict in the restriction and separation from the joy of eating and being part of life generally and being happy, that's where we create the emotional separation and divide. And we don't want to do that as parents or teachers or medical people. So let's go on to thinking about this also. What we believe we must eat has changed over and over again in the medical community over the last 30 or 40 years with so much uh, attention on food. And uh, it's exasperating to know that one day you can eat this and the next day you're told it's a problem. Right. the exact opposite, yeah. So it's, <laughs> right. it, this is a very complicated business choosing food and the reasons we do it. And what people need to do, I believe, is to become less judgmental and have greater self-love and greater respect for other people's paths and choices and not focus so so much until a person wants to focus on it themselves. I would say that that would be be a good approach. Now, Joan, you have been to 22 countries. That's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> How did this influence your perspective on food? Because I'm sure you saw all different cultures and attitudes towards food and towards life in general. Yeah. So, yeah, I have been very fortunate to to spend a lot of time in different countries. And that that combined experience firsthand, seeing how people in other countries relate to their food after seeing country after country. So I, I, uh, we spent a year in Central America. In, uh, this is when I was married and with my two daughters that were six and nine at the time. And we would just go to somewhere and find a place to stay for a month or two. So Costa Rica and um, Honduras and Guatemala and Nicaragua. Um, and we... And then we went later to South America, and then I was also in Ghana in West Africa, and I taught English in South Korea for a few years and um, was in Saudi Arabia for a while as well. But what I what I saw was that, kind of back to that, that story of the Native Americans getting on the bus, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that their relationship to food, I'll take Korea, South Korea as an example, the people there are eating vegetables and uh, what I would consider to be a super healthy meal, pretty much every meal. And kids are eating vegetables and tofu and fish and um, kimchi, and there's it's just what they do. And and the food there is steeped in tradition where the ingredients are mostly locally grown and at different times of the year people eat different things like uh, the one I thought was so interesting was there are three days in the summer that have been historically the hottest days and on those three days you eat a certain kind of soup and it's it's just so incredible to think of the the wisdom of 
what does our body need and what does this, and especially like in that specific climate, and what does our, what does this climate produce? And then what are these recipes, what are these foods that we can can make that are locally available ingredients and what our body needs at that time of year? I mean, it's so simple. It's almost it almost seems like a waste of time to well, say it, except that we're not doing that at all here. No, <laughs> we're, here we're in the totally West, totally disconnected. Right here in the West, uh, we are fast moving, and our food is processed and over processed, and uh, uh, that's part of the reason there's been so many people that have weight problems. But you, you also wrote in Ghana. Uh, you learned something else uh, when you were working with people whose economy was not as affluent as ours, and many of their basic rights, what we consider to be basic rights, are often missing for them, like clean drinking water and free education and books and libraries and sewer systems and reliable electricity and clean public restrooms, homeless shelters. You learn something important. So the study of food is the study of life and the study of cultures and people coming together exactly. to really know the truth uh, of what's important in our life. So I think what you learned there, <laughs> you can tell us what you learned. Yes. But I have it written here so beautifully. But tell us, please, what you learned from that. Well, what I learned from that experience was that it doesn't matter all those external things that we have been striving for are really not relevant in to to whether or not you are able to enjoy your day. So can you enjoy that moment that you have and the people that are in front of you? And yes, as you were saying, I was just I I felt so at home and so instantly loved and People cared about me right from the first moment they met me. And it was such a shock because it didn't matter if I had gone to college or not, if I had a car or not, if I had a job or not, um, anything about my family. Just being there away from all those things and just being myself was enough. Yeah, you wrote that they seemed to have faith that all shall be well. And they didn't want to waste a day worrying because that's seen as being immature. And when we see children whining and we say, grow up, uh, that's the message you got when you were worried. Uh, you were told to grow up right. and evolve. But these people don't think that way. And because of that, their souls are maturing their energy being is maturing. And that goes far beyond the food that they have or the lack of comfort they have. And in the end, that can keep you healthy. Yeah. <laughs> you can have less and still be more, more at peace with it's, yourself, less stress, yeah. and more in tune with the world. So I think that's a wonderful thing that you learned 
in your travels and, was, yeah. and, and you shared in your book also. But let's go on to why do you encourage people to link their eating to spirituality? This show is all about linking everything to your inner energy and your inner wisdom and to know the truth of oh, what's really important. And each of us as a being, part of the whole collective consciousness is important and no one is less or more. We're all necessary. So tell us something about that. Well, I was thinking about the story that you mentioned about your granddaughter. Um, you know, and I think as parents and grandparents, we don't have a lot of good examples of how to help our kids eat to fuel their bodies and their lives. And so we tend to either go to the strict version of don't eat this, don't eat that, you have to eat this, or the, the very lax, lenient version of, hey, well, you know, have whatever you want and, and, and kind of enabling worse habits. So it's, as you were saying, it can be just so frustrating to help a kid or to figure it out for yourself. And so when I help people link their eating to spirituality, then then it's just what you were saying too, is you said, you know, when you were put on a little bit of weight, it was a buffer for you to be able to be an empath in this world mm-hmm. and to function. And so that is, and that would be the message I would say to to your granddaughter of, well, what you know, what's your life about? Like, what yeah. are you passionate about? And and what do you want to do with these gifts that you have of being so empathic? And what do you, you know, what do you see happening for you in your life? And and then you know, your your body is a vehicle to to get those done. So in it's it's not the the primary thing, but at the same time it is quite a gift. You know, the the fact that we've been for some reason and somehow given a body to to allow us to experience these things that to see that with reverence and, and That's an to, important word. Yes, yes, respect and reverence and integrity for the bigger part of who we are. Yes, and, I, and I think also like then the food, the food itself. So having reverence for the the food and to realize that anything that shows up on our plate was probably the work of so many hands, mm-hmm. and the sun and the rain and the soil and and. So many things came together, and if we can have reverence and and also some curiosity, because you you know you might hear well something about maybe the treatment of of animals or or some mm-hmm. artificial yes. ingredients, and and it's it's hard it's hard to think about your food as something that's maybe not a beneficial force in the world but but to be able to have that curiosity to go ahead and explore that and and to have the reverence for everyone that brought it to you and to then you know go go ahead and read the the ingredients on that thing that you're 
going to eat and and see if you know does that if if you want to eat it then eat it with reverence and if you look at it and decide you know I don't actually want to support this then that's fine too but whichever way you do it if you do it mindfully so this is this is such a contrast to these programs that say you know check off these boxes oh. and write down your calories <laughs> right. if if you if you eat with reverence if you're a mindful eater then those problems go away because you're at peace absolutely and a lot of problems revolve around our our choices in food and how we eat where we eat who we eat with if you could set up an environment and a place that is peaceful loving and attractive you will enjoy everything it could be a a moderate amount of food and it'll be enough you see we uh, allow stress and our uh, passion for life and our our materialistic aspects of what's important in life uh, to affect our eating time and what we're eating and where we're eating and who we're eating with and how much it costs and and it all has gotten away from nature and from the natural purpose of eating which my granddaughter reminded me was simply yes to live and i i think you know this the um the idea of making of managing your own inner peace and making peace with your food and your body and your life i i think it was an interesting thing for me that i i struggled so much with my weight and then after writing that book about how to of tuning into inner peace about how to manage your inner peace so after doing that and going to ghana and learning meditation and going through a 12 step program after all that then i arrived at that place of peace with my food but i think it's because i was at peace with my life absolutely and, yeah and so that that tuning in to that we're always doing where we're conscious of how people are reacting to us but i think the the bigger thing with the with food is how we're feeling ourselves and and a lot of people ask me, well, what should I eat? And my answer is, how the heck would I know? <laughs> <Because> <laughs> it has to be what what their their body and soul are calling forth exactly. in their in their experience. We choose and create and manifest our own experience through our thoughts and our actions. And we, as we grow in mindfulness, we are able to respect other people's choices. We don't have to control our children, our friends. We don't even need to control ourselves. We just need to act uh, in a positive and accepting and productive way with all things that we experience in life. So I want to thank you, Joan Gregerson, for discussing a subject many people wish to know more about, their eating habits and food choices and how they affect emotional, spiritual, and physical health, and for your wonderful suggestions to make simple shifts that can actually transform your life. For more information, go to foodfreedomnaturally.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, while learning a great deal about food and how it affects our entire energetic acceptance of self 
and our place in the world, either positively or fearfully, we begin to realize that our inner guidance system, our soul essence, either allows us to create a place of calm and well-being or chaos and disruption. And as we work on our state of being in alignment to a more positive view of life and self, we can improve many physical conditions that hinder our complete state of health and engage with people, activities, and learning new food choices and to do it constructively. Joan and I would ask you to begin to be an observer of first your own feelings and fears and how you react when you are with people you feel comfortable with and safe, how you feel in your daily experiences of work and relaxation, places that encourage you to move and react with steadfast direction and calm discernment, and conditions that alter your sense of well-being. Try to engage fully where it feels right and disengage where it feels wrong. Over time, you will allow yourself to be in more continuous states of happiness, positivity, and making choices that allow for peace, calm, your health, friendships, and all experiences will benefit greatly. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within and author of The Living Spirit. To listen to leaders in the field of higher consciousness and to read about the world of health, spiritual awareness, and connections to a universal source of energy that supports and encourages us to grow individually and collectively in mind, body, and soul, go to CherylGlick.com. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.